This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We've got an especially full show today in that we've got some excellent guests in our second and third segment. These will be author Nigel Cliff to talk about his most interesting book, The Last Crusade, The Epic Voyages of Vasco da Gama. And with all the news we've covered in recent programs uh, about the thinning of ice at the top of the world, we have a first-hand observer who's back from the Russian Arctic and can give us a first-hand report on what is happening up there. That will be Ted Cheeseman of Cheeseman's Ecology Safaris. We're expecting a very full plate in our second and third segments, so without further ado, let's jump into the top of the program as we like to start it, that being with On This Date in History. Our date in question, the 6th of September. It was on September 6th in 1492 that the Italian-born explorer Christopher Columbus sails west from the Canary Islands during his first voyage to what turned out to be North America, not India. Columbus wound up sailing on a Spanish vessel because when he pitched this idea to the King of Portugal, the king thought he was nuts. Well, more to say about that in our second segment. And it was 22 years later, yes, a short 22 years later, that being September 6th in 1522, that the first circumnavigation of the world was completed by the haggard remnant of Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan's five-ship fleet. Just 18 of 270 men completed that three-year voyage. Magellan himself was murdered in the Philippines in April of 1521. Technically, the first human being to circumnavigate the globe, I believe, was Enrique, a man from the Spice Islands who'd been taken west to Europe. After crossing the Indian Ocean east to west, Enrique then crossed the Atlantic Ocean and Pacific. I mention this because... His is a name that's generally been lost to history, and I think it deserves mention. On September 6th in 1844, American explorer John C. Fremont, following in the footsteps of many fur trappers, arrived at the shores of the Great Salt Lake. Whether he actually set foot in the town that is named after him in the East Bay, well, that I'm not so sure of, even though it did later become my hometown. On this date in 1972, the South Vietnamese President Nguyen Van Chu abolished popular elections which was one of the many low points in that giant fiasco. And it was on September 6th of 1975 in New York that Czech tennis star Martina Navratilova asked for political asylum. She later became a U.S. citizen in 1981. And about a decade or so after that, Czechoslovakia ceased being a communist nation. Our quote of the day comes from Charles Darwin, who once said, Ignorance more frequently begets confidence than does knowledge. Our quip of the day comes from Gore Vidal, who said, Democracy is supposed to give you the feeling of choice, like painkiller X and painkiller Y, but they're both just aspirin. Our joke of the day, which, by the way, was sent to us by Millicent, is as follows. Mrs. Parks, the sixth grade science teacher, asked her class, which human body part increases to ten times its size if stimulated? Little Mary stood up and said, you should not be asking sixth graders a question like that. I'm going to tell my parents, and they will go to the principal, and they'll probably fire you. Mrs. Parks ignored her and asked the question again. Children, which body part increases to ten times its size if stimulated? 
Little Mary said to the rest of her class, Boy, is she going to be in trouble. But then Billy stood up, looked around and said, The body part that increases ten times its size if stimulated is the pupil of the eye. Mrs. Parks said, Very good, Billy, then turned to Mary and said, As for you, young lady, I have three things to say. One, you have a dirty mind. Two, you didn't read your homework. And three, one day you're going to be very, very disappointed. Our stat of the day is that of the nearly 400 moon rocks given to state and world leaders after the Apollo 11 through 17 missions, almost 200 have been lost, destroyed, or stolen, according to a NASA survey. NASA now says that 517 moon rocks and other astro-material samples that were lent to scientific labs or political leaders between 1970 and 2010 also have been lost or stolen. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. It was a good week last week for old guys. With the news that Bill Spaceman Lee, age 65, became the oldest pitcher to win a professional baseball game when he led the San Rafael Pacifics to a 9-4 win. While we have to admit this is not an earth-shaking story, we do enjoy being able to say Bill Spaceman Lee. And it was a bad week last week for NASA's Curiosity rover, in our opinion, with the news that the spacecraft downloaded a hip-hop song, which was then broadcast back to, quote, a group of school children on Earth, unquote. I have to note that, in my opinion, one of the wonderful things about the Voyager spacecraft carrying gold records out into the universe is that they were sent out before there were any rap recordings. To which I'd like to add that that opinion, like all those heard in this program, do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. But I would add that if we intend to send a message out to space showing that we have intelligent life here on Earth, rap music may not be the best way to do that. And finally, it was an ugly week last week, and in this case, a really ugly week for art restoration. In fact, it's been called the worst art restoration project of all time. In fact, folks, this one's worth an extensive quote from the New York Times. Dateline Madrid, a case of suspected vandalism in a church in a northeastern village has turned out to be probably the worst art restoration project seen in Spain. An elderly woman stepped forward this week to claim responsibility for disfiguring a century-old Ecce Homo fresco of Jesus crowned with thorns in a Roman Catholic church in Borgia near the city of Zaragoza. Ecce Homo, or Behold the Man, refers to an artistic motif that depicts Jesus usually bound and with a crown of thorns right before his crucifixion. The woman, Cecilia Jimenez, who was in her 80s, told Spanish national television that she had tried to restore the fresco, which she called her favorite local representation of Jesus, because she was upset that parts of it had flaked off due to moisture on the church's walls. Said Priscilla Frank in the Huffington Post, the hilarious and equally horrifying result 
has since become a global sensation. We would urge you to check this out on the web. The before of the fresco shows a beautiful and detailed work of art with some flaking. The after shows a half-bearded representation of a, well, let's just say it looks like a white-faced capuchin monkey much more than it does a human being. (laughs) And yes, radio does fail us on this one. This one has to be seen to be believed. In Spain, the Borgia authorities said they're now considering taking legal action against Jimenez, against Jimenez, although they insisted their priority was to try and restore the work to its original state under the guidance of art historians. Now, as a public service announcement, Radio Parallax would like to suggest to you, dear listener, that if you attempt an artistic restoration, please, before doing so, demonstrate some artistic ability. All right, we have some follow-up on the sit-down-to-pee movement, which originated in Sweden in our previous report. Well, apparently the Taiwanese government has now jumped on the bandwagon. They want men to sit down to urinate in the interest of cleanliness. The country's Environmental Protection Administration, (laughs) yes, the Taiwanese Environmental Protection Administration, has directed local governments to put up signs in public restrooms requesting that men sit so they are less likely to leave a mess. So the EPA's Yuan Shua Jing, we want to learn from Japan and Sweden. In Japan, we have heard 30% of the men sit. Note the article, a Swedish political party recently published research showing that men empty their bladders more thoroughly while sitting. This does remind us of the sign we've seen in many a restroom that says, our aim is to keep this restroom clean. Your aim would be appreciated. All right, in the three minutes we have left in our first segment, we would uh, like to comment on the political conventions and agree that, yes, like Will Durst, we thought Mitt Romney did look amazingly lifelike. And while we do have a grudging admiration for Clint Eastwood for his long career in TV and movies, we do have to add that he's always been a fairly crappy actor, and now it seems clear an even worse stand-up comic. The Republican platform seems to say, no abortions, no exceptions. I was struck by the commentary in the Sacramento Bee that, uh, that Pete Wilson has kind of been on the outs in the Republican Party because, well, he was kind of a progressive. And not only that, he was pro-choice, which, oddly enough, were two positions formerly believed to be associated with Mitt Romney. NPR yesterday had a long discussion of whether Mitt Romney was the old Mitt Romney or the new Mitt Romney. We do want to thank The Economist magazine, by the way, for clarifying the fact that uh, when Representative Todd Aiken spoke about how uh, a woman's body had a way of taking care of it in cases of legitimate rape, that this is something that, um, well, the U.S. press didn't explain very well, is a widespread belief among the anti-abortion forces of this country. In case you are confused by this propaganda, the fact is that in cases of, quote, legitimate rape, unquote, Women's bodies, in fact, do not have, quote, ways to try to shut that whole thing down, unquote. God, what are we in the 13th century? But don't worry, lest we betray a, uh, an anti-Republican bias, which, in fact, we do have, we will take a few whacks at uh, Obama on next week's program. We do have to agree that he has been a massive disappointment. All right, in the one minute we have left, I would like to note from the Only in America file of the week magazine, we have the following. The United Nations has denied it plans to invade Texas. 
In a recent TV interview, Lubbock County Judge Tom Heed said that if President Obama won re-election, he would, quote, hand over sovereignty of the U.S. to the U.N., unquote, and send in, quote, U.N. troops with the little blue beanies, unquote. A spokesman for U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon denied there was any takeover plot against Texas. And on that note, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to speak with Nigel Cliff about his most fascinating book, The Last Crusade, The Epic Voyages of Vasco da Gama. Texas, the sage in blue. 